Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. You're listening to the Life as Leadership podcast. Are you looking for motivation and encouragement on your path to becoming a better leader? If so, you've come to the right place. Keep listening to find a community of leaders committed to learning and taking action to improve their world. The Life as Leadership podcast, where leaders gather to grow together. Here's your host, Josh Friedemann. Hey, everyone. I hope you are doing well today. Let me ask you this question. How did you start off your week? Did you start it off well? Did you start it off in a good state? And also, did you know that more heart attacks happen on Monday morning at 9 o'clock than any other time of the week? It turns out that your health and your happiness are very closely connected, and our guest today shares about that. Happiness is comprised of a bunch of different things, but according to her, 40% of our happiness comes down to our habits. Our habits are firmly in our control. And so how did you start off this week? And how can you set up your life and your habits so that you can start off every week and every day well? Some of those questions are going to be answered in today's interview. Our guest today is a certified chief happiness officer, a happiness coach, and a specialist in creating customer happiness. She is the author of two books on customer loyalty, as well as an illustrated gift book called 54 Ways to Stay Positive in a Changing, Challenging, and Sometimes Negative World. She works with companies who want to energize, elevate, and empower their people to take exquisite care of their customers and their employees as a strategy to create lifetime value and profitability. She's been in business 29 years and has clients in all shapes, sizes, and kinds of companies. Here is Joanna Brandy. Joanna, welcome to the podcast. Well, I'm happy to be here, Josh. I like to start off every interview with a few questions that help us to get to know you as a leader and give us some insight and maybe some actionable tips for ourselves. Are you ready for these? Uh, of course. What is some lesson, saying, or experience that continues to influence your leadership to this day? My own experience with the leaders who led me. <laughs> My own experience as an employee uh, very often gave me an example of how not to do it. Use three descriptors to finish this sentence. A leader is? A leader is influential, impactful, and important. What is a question that leaders should be asking either themselves or others? What are my strengths? Uh, what's going well here? What's possible here? I'm a question person, so I got a lot of them. <laughs> mm. What book would you recommend to leaders? I think one of the most influential books I've ever read on leadership is Daniel Goldman's Emotional Intelligence. If you could get every listener to start doing something this week to help them be a better leader, what would that thing be? I would teach them how to listen for other people's strengths and then give people feedback based on those strengths. And finally, our arbitrary but insightful question, which is this, as a general life principle, is it better to ask why or why not? Oh, I love that question. I would say why not? I don't really think it's important to know why. I don't really think it's important to know why. I think it's important to know what's possible. And, and, and why not try it? Because what, what something that, let's say, something that 
may have not worked at one point may work today. We're living in a whole different world. So I think why not is a, is a, is, is a, is a great question about why, why shouldn't we try this? Why shouldn't we go forward with this? I, I, like, the, I like that question a lot. Well, Joanna, I appreciate you being here today. You are in the business of happiness. I'd love to know what it means to be a happiness coach. And maybe even before that, is there pressure to seem happy to people all the time? <laughs> That's a great question. Yes, of course there is. <laughs> of course there is. And what's so interesting is that I'm not a naturally happy person. Hmm. Happiness, uh, 50% of your happiness is genetic. 50% of your ability to feel happiness and be happy is genetic. And I am not genetically happy, never was, and probably never will be. Um, so there are things, there are things that influence your happiness other than your genetics. The circumstances that you have in your life, and there are certain circumstances that really matter, whether or not you've got good social connections. Uh, whether or not you have um, faith in something outside of yourself, like a higher purpose, um, whether or not you're making enough money so that you're not in a constant state of stress, and whether, believe it or not, whether or not you're married. Married hmm. people seem to be happier than not married people, which is an interesting discussion in itself. Uh, but the other 40, that's, t- that's about 10% of your happiness. The other 40% of your happiness is the, the habits, the actions, the thinking that you do on a habitual basis. So for me, um, I, I, what I, the very same thing I teach my clients is what I practice myself. How can I take myself from a place where I'm not feeling happy? Or let's, let's use the word positive. Because happy is only one of many positive emotions. Um, it happens to be the one that's gotten a lot of attention in the field of positive psychology. It happens to be the one that people talk about. But what we're really, what I'm really talking about is positivity, is the experience of positive emotions. So I am continually asking myself the question, when I don't feel positive, what can I do to change my state? What choice can I make? to feel a little bit better about what I'm perhaps ruminating about or worrying about or thinking about. Does that make sense? It does. And I want to delve into all of those areas a little bit more. Uh, And ultimately, I want to end up at the 40%, which is habits that you've just talked about. But before that, first of all, 50% genetic, half of our happiness is genetic. What is some of the science behind that? How can you quantify that? Could you help us understand that a little bit better? Yes, yeah. This is a statistic that comes straight out of the field of positive psychology. Now, I questioned it immediately because I don't know how we pull apart nature and nurture. So, but if you look, if you're if you're one of many siblings, if you've got a lot of cousins, uh, you know, from the same family, or if you happen to be a person that has more than one child you'll notice immediately they're very different and they're very different from the very beginning. So you can have one child that is uh, colicky, cranky and miserable and doesn't sleep. That was me as a child. And then you can right after that have, have a child that's happy, smiling and, and does everything on schedule, including sleep. Mm. So, so genetically there's some difference, but then there comes the nurture piece 
when you are a parent of a child who doesn't let you get enough sleep, who doesn't let you soothe them, because in my case, I mean, who knew back then people had lactose intolerance? I was always, they called it colic back then. So my parents would be walking the floor with me all night long or rocking the carriage, trying to get me to sleep or that kind of stuff. Well, that kind of parent is not really very happy themselves. So the faces and the sounds and the, and the, um, the feedback that a baby is getting from a parent who's not getting enough sleep, from a parent who's worried and stressed, from a parent who's trying to figure out how they're going to get to work in the morning when they haven't slept all night, is very different than the feedback a happy baby gets. Because a happy baby does everything right. So I'm not sure when, when, um, posit- when the psychologists tell us 50% is genetic, and I don't think that there is a way to prove that. They're not going not gonna to draw my blood and say, oh, yeah, you were, born, you were really born unhappy. Uh, that's not going to happen. Uh, but it is a chemical state. The, the state of positivity and the state of negativity are chemical states in the body. And we're finding out as time goes on and more experiment, experimentation is done that um, we can tell by certain, certain biomarkers how happy someone is feeling. So what happens with an unhappy what happens with an unhappy child is that that it gets that gets reinforced. And that first 7 years of a child's life is really very very important. So some people go into the world believing that life is fearful, that you have to be scared of things, that they're not safe, uh, that people don't love them, uh, that they're 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 rejected. So is it nature or is, is it the nurture that comes from the nature? I don't know. But we carry it with us throughout life. Some of us have um, what I call, I don't know if it's a scientific term, a hot amygdala. You know, the part of our brain that stores um, negative memories so that we don't, for instance, you know, put our hand on the stove or put our, a fork in the electrical socket. Some of us are easily triggered. Now, what happens with practice and habit is that you learn to say to yourself, oh, I just got triggered. I was having a conversation uh, with someone this morning about this. It is season down here in the Boca Raton area. <laughs> now, what that means for those of us who live here year-round is that a five-minute drive in the car now becomes a 15-minute drive in the car. Mm. People that have been polite on the road all of a sudden seem to pick up the road rage that the northerners have brought with them. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so yesterday I had to be somewhere at five thirty and I left in more than enough time. Uh but there were a number of people on the road that um you know um the, the old New York rule is if you, you don't want to make eye contact with someone, so they don't make eye contact. So you can't give them that head nod that says, excuse me, it's my turn to go. <laughs> so between being cut off and a, a train coming by, et cetera, et cetera, I could feel the negativity building because I was going to be late and I had left the house in plenty of time to get there. So I've trained myself to notice that feeling. So when I notice that feeling, I now say to myself, okay, calm down. Take this extra moment to take a few extra deep breaths. You'll be there at the perfect time. It won't matter. But I have to do that consciously. 
the more I do it, the more I practice it, the more unconscious it becomes. But for many people like me, and for many leaders, because leaders are very serious people, it really becomes a, ha- a good habit to be questioning, what am I feeling? What am I going to do about that? Can I change my state? Does that make sense? It does. And I want to, I want to delve into that in just a second. Before we do, you said 50% of happiness is genetic. And then there's this other 10% that you didn't really give it a title, but would you say like circumstances, Circumstances. how much you make and your relationships? Life circumstances. Yeah. Life circumstances, where you live, the condition of your health, whether or not you're married, whether or not you have people around you, whether or not you make money, those are considered life circumstances. You have control over some of them, but not all of them. So for instance, when I lived in the North, I suffered from something that's called seasonal affective disorder. So at this time of the year in the North, when it got dark at 4.15 in the afternoon, my level of energy would go down and I would start feeling blue. And I learned over time that there was a name for this and I could work with it by buying special light bulbs and making sure that my office, because at that hour I was always working, that my office had special lighting so that my body didn't react to the darkness that was happening long before my workday was over. So that was a circumstance I could change. So I did change that. And for me, it works to be here where their days are longer and there's just more sunlight. Um, As far as the, the one that we know in the world of psychology is the most potent is whether or not you have people, social connections. Yeah. Right now, loneliness is becoming epidemic. Isolation is a huge problem. Uh, people have the illusion of connection because they have 432 Facebook friends. But how many of those people have they actually seen this week? How many, you know, we're human beings. We have an energetic field around our body. So how many humans have we connected with? Not how many likes have we gotten or how many people are on our uh, Facebook feed or our Instagram account. So that seems to be getting worse. And more and more of the information that's coming out of the field of psychology says we have to make an extra special effort to reach out to other human beings, even if it's by phone, to make that real human connection. It's one of the reasons I like uh, using Zoom. I had my first phone call at nine o'clock this morning was with the CEO of a a happiness company in Finland. Hmm. And uh, it was, you know, whatever, four o'clock in the afternoon, his time. And uh, it was joyous to have at least we were making eye contact. It felt like we were truly having a visit. So technology can be our friend, but also technology is working against us. We need, we need more human connection. So we are encouraging people to um, spend more time with other people, go out and take a walk with a friend that takes care of exercise and interaction at the same time. Uh, Go back to having dinner parties, you know, meet friends. Last night I I was on the way to meet friends for a drink. I don't often do that, Uh, but it felt so good, especially those of us who work alone. We need more human contact. And so the other 40% of happiness is comprised of our habits. And you've talked about this a little bit and you've brought, you've brought up this idea of changing your state. I yeah. like that idea. What are some things that we can be doing to change our state and maybe other types of, of better habit formation to increase our happiness? The number one thing is exercise. The number one thing is exercise. Tal Ben-Shahar, who was the 
pioneer of teaching uh, positive psychology at Harvard and such an interesting story because the first year he had about 35 people in his class and I think he said that eight people dropped out Mm -hmm. and by the second year there was 1200 people in the class and it was standing room only so the word had gotten out. Um, Tal says that if you're not exercising you might as well be taking a depressant pill so his recommendation is that physiologically, just to ha- just to even be on an even keel, you've got to have at least 30 minutes of exercise at least three times a week, bare minimum, in order not to slip into depression. Because the body needs the chemicals that are produced during the exercise to stay stable and happy. So exercise is number one. Uh, today, uh, num- what, what I'm finding, and these are all things that are in your voluntary control. Uh, The other one is sleep. People are staying up way too late. People are, you know, trying to catch, they're they're binging on, my goodness, there are hundreds and thousands of movies out there. Uh, People are staying up too late on their computers and that blue light is going into their brain. So when they go to sleep, the brain isn't getting all the right signals, isn't producing the right chemicals. So sleep is, is huge. Exercise and any kind of hobby that you have, When people have hobbies, um, they go into a flow state. And a flow state is a gorgeous state of positivity for the body. And that's when uh, you lose track of time. You know, you forget to eat lunch. You're so, you become one with the music, so to speak. Uh, Music is another, something that's in your voluntary control that will change your state. The only thing we know for sure, the only kind of music, that doesn't seem to be good for people is the very uh, the very violent uh, gangster rap kind of stuff. Hmm. But uh, all other kinds of music, hip hop, jazz, classical, you know, seventies light music, you know, that kind of stuff. It's all good. It's it, it's what you love. It's it's what you love, and that's another way you can change your state. Who you hang out with is really important. So if you're hanging out with a bunch of people who are all complaining about their day at work, emotions are contagious. So you want to make sure to surround yourself by people that are asking those questions like, hey, what's good? What happened in your life this week that you're grateful for? I, I work with a group of um, people on, on Monday mornings, they're friends, and I started this group about they tell me five years ago but i think it's four years ago but uh we're not we now share leadership but for three years i ran the group myself and we start monday mornings at eight o'clock and the first question we ask is is what do you have to brag about this week so we are all women and you know we are taught from the time we're children not to brag and so we all have things that we'd love to share, but we're a little afraid of sharing. So I've created a safe space where people can brag about something. And what, what did they do that's in alignment with what they want to create? So did they take one step further to their goal? Did they have positive feelings during the week? Did they have a, a revelation about something that they're working on? And then we go from bragging to sharing gratitude. And in between, we're all, we're all giving each other feedback, which is just fabulously wonderful. And then we all express something that we desire so that we are expressing our desires out loud and other people are witnessing them. And that's a, that's a joyous way to start a week. So we're starting off the entire week with that process, which puts us all into a positive state. So Monday morning by nine o'clock, we are, we've already set the tone for the week. And you just said Monday mornings, which leads to an interesting question. 
do you ever have to address negativity around Monday mornings? Is that something is, is when people enter into a week with a negative mindset, surely that damages their happiness potential, right? And not only does it damage their happiness potential, it damages their health. There are more heart attacks at nine o'clock on Monday morning than any other time of the week. And so what are some things that you can do to begin increasing your happiness and making sure that you're starting off the week well? Is it just a matter of previous to that, having that exercise, sleep, having music, having a strong social circle? Is, is that what it is? It's all of that. And it's, in, it's, it's another thing as well. It's intention. It's a, an intentional focus on how I want to be and who I want to be, especially for leaders. When I teach, uh, and especially in the course that I have, the, the online course that I have, we spend a whole session talking to leaders about who do you want to be, not what do you want to do, but who is, what is the beingness? So who do you want to be this week? How do you want to show up this week? So what kind of intention will you set? Because intention is a force that is at least as strong as gravity. But we don't see it, just like we don't see gravity. So if you set that intention and that says, today I intend to be positive. Today I intend to radiate positivity. Today I intend to broadcast positivity. Today I intend to see the good in everything. Today I intend to compliment five people. Today I intend to bring myself back to my good mood. Uh, whenever I notice that I've slipped away from it. So I think that that intention, the idea that, you, you know, you are the point of origin. If you're going to have a bad day, it's because you're choosing that from the very beginning. You're choosing to let the winds of whatever anyone else is throwing at you to determine your attitude. So it's a very focused determination on it's Monday. What can I do this week that's going to bring me closer to my goals? What's possible this week that I've never been able to do before? I mean, I love that curiosity. Start the week with curiosity. You know, I'm curious. What energy, space, and consciousness can I be this week that will, that will help me get closer to my desired goals? And and for every leader, I'm hoping that their desired goals have something to do with creating a team that rocks. You know, creating a team that can face any challenge with that upbeat attitude. Creating a team that, that, that's energized and that's excited about the work that's in front of them. And that, to me, is a, is a leader's job. How do you create that excitement? Well, you're not going to create that if you get up in the morning and you let the day, you know, the traffic you encountered on the way to work or the 42 things you know you didn't get done last week or the nasty thing your boss said to you Friday at 4 o'clock. If you let any of that bother you on Monday morning, you're not leading. I'd love for you to talk about your online course a little bit more. First of all, who is it for? Why did you feel the need to create it? And then what can people expect from it? You've just shared a little bit about that, but I'd like for you to expand on that a little bit more. Sure. Well, I, I, for it's, it, was, it was designed for anyone who wants to either be a leader or wants to lead a team that's focused on creating a great, exquisite customer experience. Because my background is creating customer happiness. But as I, I've been in the field for so long, you take that customer happiness and you work it backwards, right? You just, customers just aren't magically happy. Customers are happy because. Customers are happy because they're treated well. Customers are happy because they're getting value. Customers are happy because they um, got what they were looking for and, and then some. So if you work that back, 
you work it back to something that's called discretionary behavior. You know, the going the extra mile behavior, the person that does something that's a little bit special, or maybe it's just their tone of voice, or maybe it's they helped you out in a time of need, or maybe they kept the door open 15 minutes later so you could get into the store and get what you needed. Uh, There are so many things that employees have the opportunity to do to create a better experience for the customer, but they're not going to do it unless they are feeling good about who they work for and the company they work for and the values they hold. That's called discretionary behavior. So I started working backwards from that. How do we create customer happiness? And lo and behold, it's all about leadership. It's all about the tone that the leader sets. So the course itself is for someone that wants to look at what is, what is the very latest that science is giving us about how we can create a culture that's positive, that's life-affirming, that's life-giving, that's energizing, that's elevating, a place where people can come home from work with energy left over. Because all during the day, the leader is saying to them, this is, this is what you've done today that's really helped contribute to our success. A leader who notices what their strengths are, a leader that's created a positive climate that's safe emotionally for people so they're not looking over their shoulder all the time to, to, because of some repercussion. One of the things that I found being in the field for so long with my yellow pad and walking around as a consultant talking to people is I kept hearing one phrase over and over again. And that phrase was, how come they never notice when I do something right? But when I do something wrong, they're all over me. And that was very motivating to me, really motivating to me to want to teach leaders how to create the kind of environment where people don't have to wait till they do something wrong to get the attention that they need. And of course, it's a great way, the course is a great way to learn about what can we learn from positive psychology that we can carry over into the workplace that will cause these energy gains during the day as opposed to energy drains. So people go home at night, they're in a great mood, they got more time for their kids, they got more time for their community, they got lots of time to, they have lots of energy to exercise and and help other people because emotions are contagious. And it's proven that they they go at least three connections out. So if I'm having a good day, I'm going to spread that goodness to someone else who's going to spread that goodness to someone else. Joanna, thank you so much for sharing your experience on this podcast today and for giving us some motivation and ideas about how we can bring happiness to our lives, but also to others. Is there anything that you would like to leave the listeners with today, either that we've already talked about that you would like to reiterate or that maybe we've not had the chance to address yet? Yeah, I, I, th- I think so. If I have the moment to do that, I, I, think, I think what we have to realize is that as human beings, we're, ener- we're energetic beings and we carry with us everywhere we go an energetic field. That's when we say emotions are contagious. One of the ways that emotions travel from person to person is on that energetic field. So when we ourselves are feeling appreciation, are feeling gratitude, are feeling love, are feeling excited, are feeling any one of a, a you know a dozen positive emotions, we get to impact someone else's energetic field. I call it the spillover effect. 
And we get to we get to impact their day, we get to impact their lives, and we get to impact how they impact other people. So I think that's especially at a time when there is so much negativity, I think we all have a responsibility to take positivity personally and make every effort that we can to shift our attention over to something that's positive. And the quickest way to do that is by going to gratitude or appreciation. And one way that I recommend that leaders do that is to take their hand and put it over their heart. Because the moment you put your hand on your heart, you start the flow of oxytocin in your body. And oxytocin is known as the tend and befriend chemical. So your body begins vibrating from that particular place where people want to be closer to you. And kindness, we know when a person is kind to another person, that person's serotonin level goes up. The person they're kind to, their serotonin level goes up. And if anyone were to observe that interaction that they both had, their serotonin level goes up. So I believe that we, we're programmed as human beings to be kind and loving to one another. And I think it's about time that leaders take control of that in their own lives first so they can pass it along to others. Joanna, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. I love that idea of taking positivity personally. Now, where can people go to learn more about you, your course, and your work? Let's see. Well, we could start with returnonhappiness.com. And if they go to returnonhappiness.com slash happy place, you can actually get I think we have a dozen different ways that you can turn your workplace into a happy place. Positiveenergizer.com is where my online course lives, where there's a fabulous assessment to see, you know, how are you doing as a positive leader? So just jump in there and take the quiz and see how you're doing. And then there's one more little site that I've had for years. It's my personal blog, and it's called Positivity Practices. And occasionally I write there, but that's where I talk about my book, 54 Ways. Uh, and that's where I put some of my very personal stories and personal practices. So uh, there's three different places where they can find me. Well, Joanna, it has been a pleasure. Well, I've had a lot of fun. I, you know, I, you, can, you can tell I enjoy talking about this stuff because guess what it does? What's that? Well, it makes me happy. Mm. <laughs> so being with you and having this conversation today, I'm just bouncing off the walls feeling really happy at this moment. I'll be going to a meeting tonight and I can promise you that the positivity that was created this afternoon will flow over and spill over to all the other people I meet today. So there you have it. You may not be able to control your genetics as much as you would like, but you can control your circumstances and you can definitely control your habits, actions, and thinking. One thing I really like from today's episode in general is the emphasis on Using your influence to bring happiness to other people's lives, to bring fulfillment to other people's lives. It starts with you and it goes out from you. There are three things that I thought were really helpful in that regard. The first is to help people experience energy gains instead of energy drains. As a leader, how can you help people feel the wins in what they're doing rather than being the person who is overbearing and causing them to leave work frustrated or dissatisfied with what they've done? The second thing is to take positivity 
personally. I thought that was a really nice and simple way to remind each of us that we have a responsibility as leaders to make sure that positivity is an aspect of our workplace or our team. And finally, you are the point of origin for your attitude. But also on top of this, emotions go at least three connections out. So you can affect people beyond those that you are in immediate contact with. But if you are the point of origin for your attitude, you have to make sure that your attitude is one that will positively rather than negatively affect other people. And of course, we have so many opportunities every day to create positive change in people's lives. And I encourage you to come back on Friday when we hear about someone else who started from pretty much nothing and built his way up to really create a positive influence in people's lives through providing them places to live. Until next time, keep living and leading well. Hey, thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So, what's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist, it feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. If business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon. And until then, keep living and leading well.